take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. Hey! Spanning the continent to bring you the truth about cannabis and marijuana law reform. I smoke pot and I like it a lot. CannabisRadio.com presents The Russ Belleville Show The voice of the marijuana nation Hey, this is great, man Now, here's your host Radical Russ Belleville Good day, tokers and tokettes And non-toking lovers of liberty It is Tuesday, October 25th, 2016 And it's got to be 420 Somewhere in the world And folks, it's only two weeks away from Marijuana Election Night 2016, the most momentous election in cannabis reform history. We are so excited about this. We have got five states voting on marijuana legalization, four states voting on five different initiatives concerning marijuana, uh, medical marijuana uh, reforms, uh, two of them in Arkansas. And on today's show, we get to take a look a little deeper into this country at the local level where there are many, many marijuana votes happening, including in the great state of Ohio. Our guest today will be Chad Thompson. He's joining us to talk about the decriminalization measures that they are looking at in five different cities in Ohio. And uh, that's going to be in Logan, Bel Air, Newark, Byesville, and Roseville, Ohio. So uh, the Central Ohio Normal and Southeast Ohio Normal are working on that. We're going to get more information from Chad at half past in our activist agenda. Also coming up on the show today, we'll have time for a radical rant, and uh, it's out on hightimes.com as well. We're going to do a little history. We're going to talk about a precious metal and how the technological developments surrounding it kind of give us a lesson for what's about to happen with cannabis growing under legalization. I know a lot of people don't want to think about this, but it's a fact. The price of cannabis is going to drop incredibly over the next 10 or 20 years, and you better start uh, figuring out how to adjust your budget for that. So that's coming up on the Radical Rant at the end of our first hour. Also coming up on the show today, we'll have drug war data mining, and we're going to take a look at the latest polls all across those nine states that are looking to reform their marijuana laws. We've got the uh, the latest information coming up for you at just about 20 after. Also on the show today, in behind the headlines, we're going to take a listen to a new ad that's running in Massachusetts featuring the widow of a state trooper who was killed when an allegedly high driver ran into his car. Uh, We'll talk about that, the reaction to that from the uh, Yes on Question 4 campaign, and uh, my thoughts on this kind of tragedy being used for political purposes. But before we get to all of that, we got to get to the Cannabis Radio News. Lots of headlines today. In the news today, we've got the latest donation information from casino billionaire Sheldon Adelson, who is the number one... One donor fighting marijuana election night uh, this year. We'll also, uh, again, give you the news on that Massachusetts ad. We've got great news coming out of Alaska as their first testing labs are set to open. In Arkansas, we've got uh, a development from their legislature in reaction to the medical marijuana ballot initiatives. And uh, in Mexico, they've discovered yet another tunnel that shows Donald Trump's idea for a big-ass wall 
is useless. <laughs> so we'll talk about that in the Cannabis Radio News. And then in hour two, it's Toker Talk Radio. We'll take your calls at 650-LEGAL-MJ. If you've got questions about any of the initiatives, we can answer them for you. We're also going to talk about that annual tradition, the stupid Halloween pot candy scare. Yes, once again, we got to... We got to worry that uh, you and I are going to put $15 Chiba Chews in some kid's box instead of a 10-cent Tootsie Roll, (laughs) because we're just swimming in dough. Also, we'll take a look at the medical recreational conundrum. Uh, Our good friend Dave Biedenstock at High Times has a great uh, article up on the development of recreational legalization and its effect on medical marijuana. We'll talk about that and your calls all in hour two. Stay tuned. The news is next. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Earn your Ph.D. in THC monetization with CannabisRadio.com. Don't be late. Dr. Dabber, hurry. Its temperature is shooting past 1,000 degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up. I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct. Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber. Doctor's order. Less heat, <laughs> more flavor. Fortunate to have Michael Brewer of Brewer and Shipley. Your signature top ten song, One Toke Over the Line. I've read a couple different versions of, of what the tune's origins are. What's the true story? We were playing a little club in Kansas City. A friend stopped by with some really good hash. We stepped out back and came back in. We're tuning up in the dressing room, and Tom said, Man, I'm really One Toke Over the Line. I just cracked up. I thought it was hysterical. We literally wrote that song just entertaining ourselves and to make our friends laugh. It's time to Hemp Resent, only on Cannabis Radio. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. But we also have anecdotal evidence now from Colorado where some of the people who were um, taking uh, marijuana for those purposes, um, the coroner uh, believes after they died there was drug interactions. Okay. Maybe you're high, too. New beginner guitars and banjos are often constructed much better than ones built before your time. Why struggle? Get a new instrument or fix the old one. The trusted professionals at the Fingerboard Extension will evaluate your instrument for free. Repairs are priced for people who work for a living. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. It's time for the Cannabis Radio News. Covering the latest headlines in consumer cannabis, medical marijuana, and industrial hemp. Cannabis Radio News is now available exclusively at CannabisRadio.com. 
Now your marijuana headlines in 4 minutes and 20 seconds. This is Cannabis Radio News. This is your Cannabis Radio News for Tuesday, October 25th, 2016. The latest major donation to the campaign against legal recreational marijuana in Arizona came from Las Vegas casino owner Sheldon Adelson, who donated $500,000 last week. Adelson joined the ranks of other business owners who have funded Arizonans for Responsible Drug Policy, which opposes Proposition 205. The campaign has raised about $4.3 million to oppose the legalization of recreational marijuana. Adelson gave about $5 million in 2014 to oppose medical marijuana in Florida, and this year has spent $2 million opposing recreational pot in Nevada, his home state, and $1 million to oppose it in Massachusetts. Adelson and his wife founded a nonprofit drug abuse treatment and research clinic in 2000. The campaign has gotten other major donations, including $1 million from Discount Tire Company on October 12th, and Insys Therapeutics, a Chandler-based pharmaceutical company developing medicinal cannabinoids, gave $500,000 in August. The widow of a state trooper killed by a driver accused of smoking marijuana before the crash is making an emotional plea against a Massachusetts ballot question that would legalize recreational marijuana. Trooper Thomas Clardy, a father of seven, was killed in March when a medical marijuana patient crashed his vehicle into Clardy's cruiser. In a new web video, Risa Clardy said she believes there will be more accidents and more fatalities if voters approve question four on the November 8th ballot. The driver, David Njunga of Webster, has pleaded not guilty to manslaughter, operating under the influence of drugs and other charges in Thomas Clardy's death. The Yes on 4 campaign issued a statement in response to Clardy's video. The group expressed condolences to Clardy on the loss of her husband and said the driver, if convicted, should be, quote, punished to the fullest extent of the law, end quote. The group said question four does not change state laws that prohibit driving under the influence of marijuana. Alaska's first marijuana testing laboratory opened for business Monday, offering cannabis analysis for retail outlets and commercial or private growers. CanTest LLC, operating in an industrial area in Anchorage, cleared regulatory requirements Friday, said Mark Malagotti, the chief executive officer. Alaska voters approved recreational use of marijuana for those 21 and older in November of 2014. Passage of the ballot measure made it legal under state law to possess up to an ounce of marijuana outside of a home. Growers, retail outlets, and testing labs have been waiting for regulatory processes to be put in place. Retail outlets in Alaska could open as early as this week. An Arkansas lawmaker opposed to two medical marijuana ballot measures said Monday he'll introduce legislation during next year's session to make a more limited form of the drug available to some patients if voters reject the proposals, a move legalization proponents dismissed as a ploy to defeat their efforts. Republican Representative Dan Douglas vowed to introduce the bill seeking to legalize marijuana that is low in THC, which produces the euphoric state, but high in CBD for some patients with certain conditions. CBD is a marijuana compound that has been used to fight seizures. Douglas's proposal would be more limited in who would have access to the drug and in what forms. According to a draft of the bill, it would be available for a handful of conditions such as seizures related to epilepsy or trauma-related head injuries and Crohn's disease. But most of the conditions it covers, including multiple sclerosis and Parkinson's disease, would only qualify if they were end-stage or severe. Cancer patients would only qualify if their diagnosis was end-stage or their treatment produced nausea, vomiting, or wasting illness. 
Their proposal would bar patients from smoking marijuana as a treatment. Mexican prosecutors say they have found a tunnel equipped with ventilation and lighting that headed from the city of Tijuana toward the United States. The attorney general's office did not say whether the 563-yard-long passage actually reached U.S. soil. The tunnel had rails apparently used to push loads of drug through. It was three foot wide and four foot high and built about 23 feet underground. Prosecutors found over two metric tons of marijuana in packages at the house where the tunnel began on the Mexican side. This has been your Cannabis Radio News for Tuesday, October 25th, 2016. I'm Russ Belville. Forwarding the cause of legalization and research of the growing cannabis industry, one podcast at a time. The Cannabis Radio Network. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Not enough money for schools. Since we made marijuana legal, our schools are better and our kids have more opportunities. Crowded courts mean police cannot protect our streets. The great thing is that here in Colorado, law enforcement is able to focus on the number one priority for all of us, which is preventing violent crime. Never enough money. Since the passage of Amendment 64, I have seen an increase in resources for our schools. It's your turn to regulate marijuana. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Each year on my birthday, every American gets a cupcake. Okay, maybe you're high too. Hey everybody, it's Radical Russ here from 420 Radio, inviting you to be like me and get your ink done at Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo, Fort Worth's most female-friendly, clean, sterile, awesome tattoo shop. Thomas and his crew are true artists who can design you a custom piece or use a design you bring in. Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo also offers all styles of tattooing as well as piercings and all-around fun. In the DFW area, stop by Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo and tell them Radical Russ sent you. Trust me, it'll feel awesome. The world of cannabis is evolving at a frenetic pace. The Russ Belleville Show gets behind the headlines to take a deeper look at breaking news in our Cannabis Focus. Today in the Cannabis Focus, I want to talk about that advertisement that we referred to in the news segment, the uh, Massachusetts ad featuring the wife, uh, the widow, of a Massachusetts state trooper uh, by the name of Clardy, who was killed when a driver ran into his uh, cop car and that driver allegedly was high on marijuana at the time and a registered medical marijuana patient. First, let me play the ad for you so you can get an idea of uh, what we're talking about. And Oh, that's the wrong, uh, wrong button. Let's make sure I'm on the right, uh, right setting there. Uh, oh, okay. We're going to have, <laughs> it's not loaded. All right. Let me get these, this loaded here. Uh, the campaign itself has or the uh, yes on question four campaign has already issued a statement in response uh, explaining that the yes on question four vote doesn't change the laws 
with respect to driving under the influence. That is still illegal. Nothing is is going to make that legal in this case. And this uh, coming out here trying to say that it's a, a, a problem of the initiative itself or of legalization itself is 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 just fraught with all sorts of difficulties, all sorts of incorrect assumptions. Let's go ahead and play. I've got that ad ready for you. Let's go ahead and play the ad and then we'll uh, we'll talk about that. What my husband liked most about being a state trooper is being able to um, help others um, when in need. He actually loved the job. He liked being able to help people. He liked just the difference that he could make being a state trooper. Wonderful father. He always put his family first. Obviously, it changed my life greatly. Um, You know, my husband's not here anymore. Daddy's not going to come walking through that door one day. Obviously, I was very upset trying to understand how um, an adult, a grown man, could get behind the wheel um, after smoking marijuana and thinking that it's okay. With this bill, I don't feel like we would gain anything from it. I think we're going to, there's going to be more accidents, there's going to be more fatalities. You're going to have families that are going to be without their loved ones because we're putting, um, we're putting people at risk. If it can happen to my family, it can happen to anybody's. Why would we take this risk right now? All right, so this ad and an accompanying article about it uh, are spreading like wildfire across the media, not just in Massachusetts, but nationwide. It's gone from coast to coast. And I think it's important that we debunk some of the assumptions that uh, Mrs. Clady is making in her statement. Before we do, let's be absolutely clear. Nobody should drive when they're high. It's against the law to drive while you're impaired. And we offer our condolences and heartfelt, sincere sorrow that this man died. He was a father of seven, and uh, this is a terrible tragedy. However, assuming that legalizing recreational marijuana is going to lead to that problem is without merit and without any standing in statistics or experience. All of these campaigns, and I've been following all the ads, we'll play a bunch more of them in hour two. Uh, All of these anti-campaigns are trying to harp on the idea that marijuana-related traffic deaths have gone up in the states that have legalized. And the way they're doing that is they're relying on a statistic that shows the THC detected in the blood of drivers who have died in crashes. And as we all know, that has no bearing on whether or not someone was impaired at the time. It doesn't tell us anything about their physical state or mental state. It just tells us they were pot smokers. But they've been hammering that home in all of these uh, states that are voting to try to convince the people that there's going to be more death and destruction, more stoned mayhem on the freeways if they are to legalize marijuana. The fact is, in Washington, in Colorado, in Oregon, in Alaska, the overall fatalities are down. Fewer people are dying on the roads overall since legalization. We have not seen a spike in deaths or wrecks or problems. In fact, from 2014 to 2015, the percentage of the DUIs that were for pot only in Colorado went down. And furthermore, 
Isn't marijuana illegal already? Isn't driving under the influence illegal already? And that didn't stop this tragic accident from happening. Oh, I could have smoked that pot. I mean, this is just kind of offensive to me to try to use this tragedy to pull on people's heartstrings and and to then obfuscate the issue with misdirection statistics and half-truths is unforgivable. All right, we got to take a break. When we come back, the latest in the polls in the Drug War Data Mines. Next to THC and CBD, you can now add CBR to your cannabis vernacular. CBR as in CannabisRadio.com. Play as Ted Growing, expelled botany sophomore and the biggest grower in town, only on Weed Firm Replanted. Available on the App Store and Google Play. It's a lot of work being the biggest grower in town. Maintaining a room full of plants while dealing with a slew of eccentric customers, from a hardcore partier to the curious neighbor next door. Is anybody home? Help me expand my bud business by unlocking new strains, customizing my grow room, and completing challenges that you can't get enough of. Grow your empire so big you can see it from space. Low on funds? Don't worry. Weed Firm Replanted is free to download. Download Weed Firm Replanted for free on the App Store and Google Play today. Get growing, Mr. Growing. Growing green to generate more green. Talking with multi-cup award winner Maya Elizabeth. The Grow Show with Kyle Cushman. I've always followed Whoopi, and I think she's fantastic. I've followed her advocacy over the years. Tell me a little bit how you think partnering with a mainstream, high-profile figure actually benefits the cannabis community as a whole. I have infinite respect for Whoopi Goldberg. I wouldn't just partner with any into that kind of thing. I'm into cannabis medicine, and I'm into making quality products that people can find relief from. So to hear that her vision was actually the same, it's been beyond a dream to manifest. The Grow Show with Kyle Cushman, only on CannabisRadio.com. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. I am a round peg in a square hole. Okay, maybe you're high, too. Get in on the ground floor of the cannabis industry. Join me at the Oregon Marijuana Business Conference Saturday, November 19th at the Ashland Hills Hotel and Suites in beautiful Southern Oregon. You'll learn the latest on rules and regulations from Oregon Liquor Control Commission Chair Rob Patridge and our lineup of experts in the Oregon cannabis industry and marijuana law. Plus, I'll be interviewing the legendary Tommy Chong in the closing session, who will also be attending our incredible OMBC VIP after party with a live performance from Dell the Funky Homo Sapiens. Finally, someone let me out of my cave. Get your tickets at OregonMBC.com and hurry because early bird rates won't last long. It's the Oregon Marijuana Business Conference Saturday, November 19th in Ashland, Oregon. OregonMBC.com Promoting the end of adult cannabis prohibition is easy because we have facts, science, reason, compassion, evidence, truth, and logic on our side. It's even easier when researchers catalog it all for us. Learn how to gather the facts on marijuana use, arrests, seizures, rehabs, 
drug tests, and more on this edition of Drug War Data Mining. All right, welcome back, everybody. Time to take a look at our marijuana election night poll update. Uh, We are just two weeks out on uh, the most important election night of our history. Uh, Very excited about this. And the way that the polls are looking, uh, it's looking pretty good, at least on the legalization side. Let's start uh, with California, the state that is showing best in the polls, where the October 18th IGS field poll found a 60 to 31 support, 60% in favor, 31% opposed, 9% undecided. This comes on the heels of September polls showing 60 to 36 and 58 to 34, a couple of those as a matter of fact. So we are very uh, sanguine on the chances of California breaking through the prohibition logjam and passing legalization that will cover a population of 39 million people. Two and a half times more people will live in a legal state after California or in California than live in the current four legal states. That's going to have a huge impact on the rest of the country, the rest of the world, and the entire cannabis economy. We'll talk a little bit about that when we get to the radical rant. Also in the polls, coming in right after California, our best polls now are looking to be from the state of Massachusetts. Great news out of Massachusetts because uh, I had previously thought this one was going to be a little tighter, but uh, the latest WBUR poll, uh, October 19th poll, shows a 55 to 40 lead for question four in Massachusetts. Uh, This comes on the heels of September polls that were showing 55, 39 and 53, 40. So it seems pretty consistent. It looks as though question four has a really good chance to pass in Massachusetts. Following up on Massachusetts, we have Nevada, and it's a 57, but I put it behind Massachusetts because we haven't seen any October polling yet. And in the Nevada polling, it was a little close. Uh, There was 57.33 in September. There was 53.39 in September, and there was 47.46 in September. So not as much consistency out of the Nevada polls. We can't really tell where it's going, but I still feel pretty confident that we can get a pass in Nevada. Next up, I would say Maine is our next best shot for marijuana legalization. Uh, A poll from the Portland Press-Herald out of September, mid-September, showed it with a 53 to 38 lead uh, in the Pine Tree State. So things are looking great in Maine. And a quick note, Maine's legalization initiative, compared to the other four that are on the ballots across the country, is the most liberal as far as our perspective as cannabis consumers, you'll be able to possess two and a half ounces. You'll be able to grow six mature plants, 12 immature plants and unlimited seedlings in the state of Maine. Plus, Maine has explicit directions for creating its uh, cannabis lounges. It's its pot lounge licensing uh, that exists in the other four states, but it's all eventually and when the legislature gets to it and they may do it. So it's not as guaranteed as what we've got in Maine. And then finally, of the states of the five states that are the closest, I would say Arizona at this point has the biggest uphill climb. The most recent poll from Arizona Republic Cronkite News is 50 to 42. Uh, that follows an Arizona higher ground poll that was 50 to 45. So it's looking good in Arizona with anywhere from a five to an eight point lead. But sitting there at just the 50 percent mark can be a little uh, difficult, especially that hard-hitting ad that just came out from the uh, trooper's widow 
We'll see if that has any effect on the polling numbers, but we got our fingers crossed. It looks as if we may go five for five on marijuana election night when it comes to marijuana legalization. Now, looking at the medical side of the ledger in the state of Florida, this is of all the votes that are going down. I think the most slam dunk of all of them, uh, even with the 60% threshold it has to clear, I think Florida has the best chance, even beyond California's chance to pass legalization, although I think that's a slam dunk too. Florida's latest poll from Anzalone List Grove Research shows us at 74 to 26. That's right, three out of four voters in Florida, over three out of four, are ready to give their approval to a medical marijuana amendment. This follows a October 14th poll from WESH and public policy polling that showed a fifth or a 69 to 24 lead. And uh, again, the initiatives in Florida have to get 60%. So being at 69 or 74% in the polls looks very promising. However, the rest of the medical marijuana Uh, measures do not look to have the same level of support. First, we'll start in Arkansas, where there are two measures. Issue six, the medical marijuana amendment is, uh, or yeah, medical marijuana amendment. Issue six, the stricter one that doesn't have home grow is only polling at 45 to 50. It's got 50% opposition, 45% support. The issue seven, the more liberal one that has some home grow options, uh, is polling worse. It's at 53% opposition compared to 40% support. So we may not have the shot to get medical marijuana in Arkansas. And judging from our news today, it sounds as if the legislature is going to learn the lesson from Ohio. When Ohio rejected its issue three in 2015, they were going to come back in 2016 with medical marijuana, but they got beat out by the legislature that went ahead and passed a more limited uh, medical marijuana law that undercut the support for any initiatives. And now Ohio is stuck with a pretty lousy medical marijuana law. I predict we get the same thing in Arkansas. If uh, this does not pass in Arkansas, issue six or seven, you're going to get stuck with one of those CBD only or no smoking dispensary only type of medical marijuana laws. In North Dakota, again, still no polling on that medical marijuana. And in Montana, the Restoration Amendment uh, Initiative, Initiative 182, latest polls show it behind 51 to 44. So we may go five for five for legalization, but we may only go one for five on medical marijuana. Maybe the tide is turning toward legalization. We'll be right back with Chad Thompson from Ohio right after this. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Keep your cannabis cravings under control. Feed your mind with CannabisRadio.com. While the feds and state are doing their dance, you still need to transact business and manage your cash. Go professional and let your customers pay with PayQuick. They pay you and they earn rewards points. PayQuick connects to your bank account for free and secures all of your transactions. And with PayQuick, you can pay your producers and processors for free. Plus, it pays to have it because it makes depositing your cash safe and so easy. No cops, no crooks, just compliance and comfort, knowing you have your cannabis business in check with PayQuick. PayQuick, the safe and easy way to pay. P-A-Y-Q-W-I-C-K dot com. 
Our daughter Rebecca could have a seizure at any given time that could take her life. When you have 200 seizures a day, she gets so scared. I've learned a lot about the benefits of medical marijuana in the treatment of intractable epilepsy in children. We feel her saying to us, Mom, Dad, Help me. when is this going to stop? Why don't you, my parents who love me, do something? And we can't. Please help us help our daughter. Our daughter Rebecca needs all options for medical marijuana, so please vote yes on Amendment 2. This is the Rush Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. At Herbie's Cannabis Seeds, we pride ourselves on bringing you the best quality seeds from the world's most respected cannabis seed producers, all at the lowest online prices. You can find Herbie's Seeds at Herbie'sHeadShop.com. All cannabis seeds are sold as souvenirs and as a means of preserving cannabis genetics. Herbie's Seeds in no way intends to condone, promote, or incite the use of illegal or controlled substances. We strongly urge all prospective customers to check their national laws prior to placing an order. Herbie's Seeds at Herbie'sHeadShop.com. Proud sponsors of The Russ Belville Show and 420 Radio. You're listening to Cannabis Radio News' exclusive coverage of Vote 2016, The Path to Cannabis Freedom, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everybody. It's just 33 after the hour, and joining us today to talk about what's happening in the great state of Ohio, we've got Chad Thompson joining us. And Chad, can you hear me okay? I got you. I got you. Fantastic. And, of course, our marijuana election night's happening two weeks from today. We got nine states that are voting on various uh, measures. And, of course, every all the attention is on that uh, with the states that are voting on legalization and on medical marijuana. But we're going to take this opportunity to drill down a little bit and take a look at some local measures. And I understand, Chad, that we've got five different cities in Ohio that are voting on decrim. Tell us all about it. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, this is not your traditional decrim. Usually when you think of decrim, when that, when that word is spoken, what comes to mind is the lowering of penalties to a lesser amount, in the, in usually anywhere from a 100 to $250 ticket and no jail time for very small amounts. Um, decriminalization has been around for a long time. In fact, Ohio as a state decriminalized back in 1977. And uh, what we've done here on a local level is we've actually lowered the penalties to zero dollars. We've taken away all penalties, uh, no court costs. And so what that has done, and this is a a measure that we passed in Toledo about a year ago. There are five cities currently uh, that are going to be voted on uh, this November uh, for the exact same law, uh, up to seven ounces possession and cultivation paraphernalia, all the misdemeanor uh, marijuana offenses, uh, they will be charged as $0 fine, zero jail time, no court costs. Now, what that's done in Toledo is that's, in essence, made the cops just walk away. So Toledo is a quasi-legal city up to seven ounces, uh, but really it's illegal under the name of depenalization. But the laws on a local level can be very effective Uh, In fact, they say all politics is local, and certainly all marijuana reform is headed local. Even in the states that have uh, a statewide uh, law, uh, there's a local option to ban, to tax, how many, you know, dispensaries. And so really the local level is a, uh, uh, a very big player in marijuana reform. 
Absolutely. So th- this is an interesting tactic. It's uh, the crime still exists. Possessing marijuana is still illegal, but when they catch you, they can't find you or jail you. So there's nothing they can do, basically, right? Well, what they have the ability to do, since it's technically illegal, and the reason that it's done this way is if we legalized marijuana, that would conflict with state law and it wouldn't be effective. Um, there's been many of cities that have done local initiatives that have, in, in essence, legalized, uh, and they have just been more of a statement, more of a, um, a law with no teeth. A symbolic. Uh, with no real enforcement. Well, what the difference is that because this is still illegal, and we are, it's not a conflict of state law just to lower penalties. So that's what we did. And essentially what it means is, is they still have the right to uh, confiscate the marijuana. They still have a right to write you a ticket. But w- in essence, the reality of what's happened is that that's not happening. Um, they're, they're really just kind of walking away. Um, I've heard story after story. Uh, they've just really kind of moved on. Hmm. Um, you know, and, and when this happened in Toledo, you know, we met with the, uh, the law director and the prosecutors, and they really seemed relieved about the law change. They really were happy and excited. Wow. We're, we're having some connection difficulty there. Uh, breaking up a little bit on us, on us, Chad. We're speaking with Chad Thompson about uh, decriminalization measures in five different cities in Ohio. Uh, Chad, are you back? Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I got you. I uh, got you. Yeah, just faded away for a little bit. Can you tell our listeners uh, who or which cities will be voting? Sure. Well, um, we have uh, various sized cities, anywhere from large cities to little villages. Um, Roseville, uh, Byesville, Bel Air, Logan, and Newark um, are all going to be on the ballot this year uh, with an opportunity to lower penalties to zero dollars in their town. Wow. Now, uh, is there any sort of indication or polling on uh, the chances of these passing? Well, we did not poll any of these five cities, um, but I can tell you I've done informal door knocking in in some of these communities, and I really feel very uh, positive that the actual support is there. There's no question, uh, you know, on a national level, and even in Ohio here in in the cornfield communities of uh, you know, um, Mayberry here, marijuana is a winning issue. Um, I will say the state, um, obviously, on some level, uh, does not love what we're doing. And some of the ballot language in some of these cities was, uh, I, I can't speculate it was done on purpose, but it, it can appear a little confusing. And so that is going to play a factor in these elections. The ballot language itself and the, the voters' ability to understand what it means. And that really comes down to us on the ground as activists getting out the vote and making it very clear and, and, and you know, pushing our base to the polls. Mm-hmm. And uh, so overall, I'm, I'm feeling very positive, um, but there is some organized resistance in some of these communities. So it's, it's, it's really up for grabs. Mm. All right. Well, let's see if we can get you some help. Uh, is there any sort of campaign website, Facebook, or donations page we could tell people about? Sure. Um, if you go to Facebook, uh, Decrim Ohio is the Facebook page. Helpnow420 at gmail.com. Helpnow420 at gmail.com for any kind of assistance or help. We'd appreciate it. Uh, this is something that is available in most states. 
uh, the local uh, option uh, to decriminalize marijuana on a local level, which is much easier to do uh, on a grassroots level, is available in about 45 states. On, on a pretty major level. Yeah. Um, even states that don't allow a statewide initiative allow local ballot initiatives, and this is an option that's there just to, to give them the mix. You know, marijuana reform is not one law. It's, you know, there's, there's, there's even, even legal states have marijuana illegal on some level, right. on some weights. So this, this local decriminalization or depolarization option is there for medical marijuana states, for illegal states, for legal states. Yeah, and if, if there's penalties, these these can take them away. Yeah, and, and I, I agree. That's really good advice. I think too many uh, activists at the grassroots level, when they first get involved, want to jump right up to the state initiative level and try to you know change the whole world. When most of the states that passed their medical or their legalization started with local ballot. I mean, medical marijuana itself started in San Francisco when Dennis Perone and those guys were, you know, doing things at the local level. So, uh, yeah, consider that. Take a look at that. Call your secretary of state's office uh, in uh, your state, and you should be able to find out what's uh, available as far as local initiative power. Now, one unintended consequence, if I'm going to play devil's advocate on this uh, that I would think of, is if you succeed in getting this no-penalty kind of decrim passed in enough cities where people feel free having seven ounces and a few plants – won't that make it harder to try to generate support for the next attempt at a statewide legalization? Because people will say, oh, well, what's the big deal? I'm already free. Well, actually, what we found is that it's increased uh, engagement. It's increased uh, the the resistance, if you will. Um, you know, it, it kind of is a taste of freedom. It's something that if if you've ever been in a state as a, as a grassroots activist with no money and no real option and you're looking around waiting for some big money to come around, this is actually an opportunity to have what you ultimately want to not get in trouble for using and, and, and possessing marijuana, to not get in trouble. If it's something that you can do in your hometown for 500 signatures, it, it's actually it's, it's, it's producing a, a more engaged activist. It's, it's actually spreading um, because there's hope, you know, mm. if, if there's no hope, it, it kind of pushes you down and you just, you know, you kind of think, what can I do? I can't do anything. Well, this is the exact opposite. This is something where one, two, three people can get together and change the laws in their town. And then the people in the next town, guess what they want to do? Yeah. They see it. They want it. They're going to, they're going to jump on board. And that's exactly what's happened here in Ohio. That's, that's great to hear. We, uh, we'll cover this on election night and, and bring the results in for these five Ohio cities as they come in. And, uh, as we look forward, as we look to the future, uh, we're hoping, of course, we go five for five in the states for legalization. How soon do you think Ohio might get back on board with trying to pass a statewide legalization? And, and if they did, might they try this decrim, you know, just take the penalties out like you guys are doing at the cities? I, I really doubt that they would do that. I think that uh, kind of the state trend at this point is, is toward uh, legalization. And, um, I, and I think that um, there is no real momentum on a statewide level for the uh, decriminalization. Uh, as I mentioned, Ohio is a decriminalized state currently, so we've enjoyed very low penalties. Um, but I do foresee that Ohio is going to be, uh, as well as many, many other states. I mean, I think the uh, the pendulum is just kind of swinging here, and 
you know, it's just a matter of time until, um, you know, we see many, many states, states that we never even would have considered legalizing, legalizing marijuana. Yeah, um, let's hope for and, that. And Chad Thompson, I want to thank you for joining us here on the show and give us a little clue on what's happening locally in Ohio. And uh, best of luck uh, in two weeks on election night. We'll be back in touch with you to find out how those things turned out. Thanks so much. Thanks a lot, Russ. Thanks for having me back. Talk to you soon. You betcha. All right, stay tuned, folks. We're going to have time for a radical rant. We're going to take a look at change, how things change, and how you have to adjust to those changes. I'm talking about weed, particularly the price of it. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. From dabs to chivas, sativas to indicas, we roll out a whole concentrate of fresh new content every week. It's like going from the greenhouse to the dispensary. CannabisRadio.com The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber Vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Vuber way. Tommy Chong Show on Cannabis Radio. You know about this podcast. What I really want to do from now on is to solve world problems. I feel like my job is to calm everybody down and focus on how we can save this planet. The Tommy Chung Podcast, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome to my world. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Who's your favorite foreign leader? I guess I'm having an Aleppo moment. I'm having a brain. I'm well, name brain anybody. Brain. Okay. Maybe you're high, too. Hey, everybody. It's Radical Russ here from 420 Radio, inviting you to be like me and get your ink done at Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo, Fort Worth's most female-friendly, clean, sterile, awesome tattoo shop. Thomas and his crew are true artists who can design you a custom piece or use a design you bring in. Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo also offers all styles of tattooing as well as piercings and all-around fun. In the DFW area, stop by Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo and tell them Radical Russ sent you. Trust me, it'll feel awesome! We must wage what I have called total war against public enemy number one. I support a change in law to end federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. That marijuana, pot, grass, whatever you want to call it, is probably the most dangerous drug. Some think there won't be room for them in jail. We'll make them. I experimented with marijuana a time or two, and I didn't like it and didn't inhale. And one major responsibility is to encourage people to use less drugs. Entirely legitimate topic uh, for debate. Radical Rant. Well, today in the Radical Rant, I want to talk about aluminum. Uh, we've talked about it before on the show, but uh, it is my latest rant is posted up on HighTimes.com, and uh, a lot of people are getting uh, re- responding to that. But I just wanted to read that out for us here on the show, because one of the concerns we have 
in this fight to end marijuana prohibition is the plight of the clandestine cannabis cultivator. We got places like the Emerald Triangle in California, the southern corner of Ohio, the backwoods of Kentucky, lots of places in this country where the illicit trade in marijuana has formed the backbone of local economies for generations now. So what happens to them? What happens to those economies when we legalize? Well, I'll get back to that. First, let's talk about aluminum. Yes, aluminum. The stuff we make your beverage cans out of. The foil you've used to stash some weed in. The body of the airplane you once flew in. You know, we we barely give aluminum a second thought. It's cheap, plentiful, recyclable, has thousands of uses. But it wasn't always this way. Aluminum is the most common metal found in the Earth's crust. The ancient Egyptians, Persians, and Greeks all used various aluminum compounds to set dyes, make pottery, and staunch wounds. The problem, though, was getting aluminum separated from those other elements. Until the 19th century, nobody even imagined that aluminum was its own elemental metal. It had never been found in its pure state, like gold or silver or copper. Aluminum was always found bound with potassium, sulfur, silica, and other elements. Then, in, in 1778, a chemist theorized that there could be a solid metal that we've come to know as aluminum. Never, never figured out how to do it, never even saw it, just a theory. But soon, the process of electrolysis, which is the separating of elements using electricity, soon that process had been discovered. And that led to a rapid change in our understanding of metallurgy throughout the 19th century. By 1807, another chemist had used electrolysis to isolate potassium, sodium, calcium, strontium, barium, and magnesium. And he theorized that, hey, this electrolysis should also produce a new element that he called aluminum, which we call aluminum, but uh, in the rest of the English-speaking word, they call it aluminium. Regardless, same stuff. By 1825, a chemist discovered a process by which he finally managed to produce a few tiny flakes of aluminum. The first aluminum produced, 1825. But it was very impure. And, and it was so small a sample that you couldn't even research it. Just tiny, tiny flakes. But within 20 years, 1845, scientists finally were able to produce enough aluminum to research its properties. And they were astonished at this new metal. It was so malleable. It was so lightweight. It was so shiny. By 1852, just seven years later, aluminum was available commercially, but it was still incredibly rare. It was selling for $550 a pound in 1852. By 1854, they'd perfected some of the processes. They, uh, uh, fixed a few of the, the, the kinks in the, in the process, and that allowed for the large-scale production of aluminum for the very first time. By 1855, a few marbles of aluminum were displayed at the Paris World's Fair, and they were a huge hit. Aluminum was the newest precious metal. The elite would wear jewelry made out of it. Emperor Napoleon would serve dinner on aluminum plates to his most honored guests, leaving the comparatively common gold plates for the other guests. 
So over the next 30 years, aluminum cost around the same as silver. It was like $20 a pound. Remember, 1852, 550 pound, over the next 30 years, dropped to 20 a pound. But still, about the cost of silver. Problem was, it was still impure. What hadn't quite figured it out yet, and it was still very difficult to work with. So that led to a lot of the cost of the $20 per pound. And, and plus, there wasn't a huge demand for it because at this point, it was just luxury items. It was so expensive that uh, it was, you know, brooches and necklaces and pendants and such. And so that kind of stalled the development of other production methods and infrastructure. There wasn't enough demand for the product and there wasn't enough uh, supply to make a difference. And well, that's, that's the way it was for about the next 30 years. By about 1884, the United States government uh, commemorated the Washington Monument by adding a six-pound aluminum cap to it. This was a huge deal back then, right? The big, shiny, silver-looking cap of aluminum, this new precious metal. And at that time, in 1884, there were only 3.6 metric tons of aluminum produced worldwide. 3.6 metric tons. At, in that same year, 2,834 metric tons of silver. So still a very rare metal, still very valuable. But then the market for aluminum changed forever. In 1863, two young chemistry students were born. One was born in Ohio. The other one was born in France. And at the, just about the same time, they independently discovered a new process to refine aluminum that was far cheaper and purer. In 1886, two years after the Washington Monument was capped, they both filed patents in the United States. And there was a couple of other improvements in the process that had uh, gone on in the interim. And at that point, the price of aluminum was down to $6 a pound. Okay, so we've gone from 550 a pound in 1854, we're down to $6 a pound in 1886. Just 32 years later. Now, the American, the American chemistry student was named Charles Martin Hall. Uh, he ended up founding a company that in 1907 would become the Aluminum Company of America, or as we know it, Alcoa. And Alcoa is the world's largest producer of aluminum. By 1888, his company was producing 50 pounds of aluminum per day. 50 pounds a day compared to less than 22 pounds. Ta- 22 pounds a day that the whole world produced in 1880 or just four years prior to that. The year that they've topped the Washington Monument, the 3.6 metric tons of aluminum, that's 22 pounds a day. They were producing more than double that just four years later. By 1891, Hall's company drove the price of aluminum down below a dollar a pound. Remember, 1852, we're talking about $550 a pound. By 1891, they're down below a dollar. 40 years, folks. Just 40 years from 550 to a buck a pound. By 1903, just another 14 years later, aluminum was down to 30 cents a pound. And because of that, the Wright brothers were able to produce an engine with aluminum that made it light enough that it could power the first airplane at Kitty Hawk. And by 1908, just five years after that first flight, 
Alcoa was producing 88,000 pounds of aluminum per day. 88,000 pounds per day. That's 20 years later than when they were producing 50 pounds a day. They went from 50 pounds a day production to 88,000 pounds a day production. And the price of aluminum was under 25 cents a pound. Now, it's not changed. The, the processes haven't changed much in the, didn't change much in the 20th century. And the prices pretty much stayed the same through the 20th century. And leading up to today, or at least last month, there was worldwide aluminum production of 362.8 million pounds per day. And the spot price is sitting at 73 cents a pound. However, if you calculate that in 1908 dollars, that's three cents a pound. So we got in 1852, 550 a pound within 40 years down to a buck a pound by the next century under three cents a pound in inflation adjusted dollars. So you probably aren't having to guess now what this all has to do with cannabis, are you? Because I'm sure there had to be a lot of people in the 19th century who built their little mom and pop businesses around aluminum. Mom and pop jewelry makers, mom and pop metalsmiths, and so forth, to make all these luxury aluminum items. And then as the market progressed and it became more of an industrial thing, I'm sure there was all sorts of little companies that were commercial producers and processors who'd make more common aluminum goods. But by the 20th century, huge corporations came to dominate aluminum production. Aluminum was no longer a luxury item for independent craftsmen to hawk as expensive jewelry and dinnerware. Changes forced those entrepreneurs to have to find another way to make a living. Well, folks, 2016 is the 1886 of cannabis. Our change, though, isn't a technological change. It's a legal change. Our change reflects a prohibition that artificially keeps the price of marijuana selling between $1,200 and $5,000 a pound, depending how far east you go. Our change is dependent on this prohibition ending, not necessarily the development of new technologies to produce it. These changes are inevitable. It doesn't matter if we legalize in 2016, if we legalize in 2018, 2020, what, what year it happens. The production of cannabis is going to go up. The price of cannabis is going to go down. The risk associated with getting it is going to fall. And all of that means the price of marijuana is going to plummet. Now, I'm sympathetic to the families in these grow areas that are worried about the changing economy. But I'm sorry, you don't get to earn a living off of the artificial price support that gives you a drug dealer's profits and guarantees your customers get arrested and go to jail. There is a place for everybody in the new legalization world, but I'm tired of this idea that we need to somehow artificially keep the price of marijuana high to protect people who are outlaws. That's all the time we got for hour one. We'll flesh this out a little more in hour two. For everyone here at CannabisRadio.com, I'm Radical Russ. Until next time, take care of each other, tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. 
Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a scene, you manage, you grow it, you try it, you run.